It's the show the establishment warned you about. Welcome back to the Dr. Tommy Show, broadcasting from the free state of Florida. I'm your host, Dr. Tommy. We're here in Echelon Health Studios. Glad you're joining us. Got a lot to go over today, including FBI update, transgender update, uh, woke hiking trails, and uh, woke uh, snowflake law students seeking counseling after uh, the Supreme Court rulings. Um, One of the things that I saw earlier today, and I wanted to go over it, is this insurance plan that Joe Biden has to crack down on, quote, junk health insurance. Uh, Many of you out there want to have health insurance that only covers things that you need covered that are rare and expensive and unpredictable. And that's what indemnity insurance used to be for and uh, catastrophic insurance. But now you can't have that because you have to have essential coverage. And that's something that Obamacare introduces, this idea of essential coverage that health insurance plans must be uh, covering everything from your medications to your every doctor visit to every uh, toe sprain to every uh, fungus infection that you have to have diagnosed. And in order to do that, you have to buy this fancy plan that covers everything and it costs you thousands of dollars each month. That is unless you are amongst those who are so fortunate to have your neighbor pay for your insurance and then you may only pay $20. And that's what Obamacare does. is basically a way to spread the wealth around, as Obama liked to say, and make people who are uh, not able to afford it, quote unquote, use their neighbor to pay for their health insurance. And if you can't afford it, you're going to have to pay through the nose for it. And hopefully you're wealthy enough to do that. Well, there was a workaround called a short-term health insurance plan. And what short-term health insurance did is it said, we don't have to abide by uh, the Obamacare essential coverage because this is a short-term plan only. And under Obamacare, these plans were only allowed for three months. Well, Joe Biden and his buddies in uh, the administration have decided that we need to uh, do the bidding of the insurance companies now and eliminate these low cost, lower cost plans. They're not cheap, but they're lower cost and make you buy the quote unquote essential coverage, a full on Obamacare approved plans. And this is from uh, Politico. It says Biden to crack down on quote junk health insurance. It says the long awaited rule will curtail a Trump era expansion of the skimpy health coverage which Democrats and patient advocacy groups have criticized for undermining Obamacare and its broad protections for patients with pre-existing conditions. It says, uh, the new short-term plan policy is designed to, quote, ensure this type of coverage does not undermine the Affordable Care Act and other health insurance markets. So basically what this is saying is we want to eliminate these short-term plans or limit them as much as possible. If they, I don't know why they just don't outright ban them, I guess that would be seen as too, uh, too uh, uh, dictator- dictatorial. But anyway, they have these short-term plans that are available now through through Trump, through Trump era policy, it allowed them to be up to 12 months. And then you can you could uh, renew them every three years or for three years. Uh, but this was seen as, like I said, this is this is giving you too much freedom. And in the minds of people like Joe Biden, uh, Barack Obama and all his cronies, uh, you're too stupid to understand that these short-term plans uh, don't prov- don't uh, uh, do not do not allow you to have pre-existing conditions covered, and so that's the big uh, reason why they want to why they want to get rid of these quote-unquote skimpy plans. The other thing they don't do is what they is unsaid is they don't allow all of these different vendors to then get money from corporations like United Healthcare and Blue Cross and Blue Shield, all these pharmaceutical corporations, all these doctors. Uh, hospital corporations, doc, uh, physician groups, they're allowed to then bill 
these insurance programs and get money. And if you use these short-term plans, you might try to do things like use your own money, and that cuts out the insurance company. They want to be involved in every transaction in health insurance and healthcare. If they had their way, and you saw this before when Obama was still in office, these big insurance companies were making uh, plans to not only have you covered for your insurance, they wanted to cover everything, having to do under the guise of health. And they were looking into lifestyle management, all these different things. And these people work hand in glove with the government to control your life. And they don't want anything other than you being in the, locked in the most expensive thing. And they don't care if you spend as much money as you, uh, as you do on your house payment on your health insurance. They want you to spend that much money. And like I said before, what they'll do is they'll get on TV and they'll make an announcement and say, oh, well, I, I didn't realize they'll have a commercial with this family, family of four, for instance, and say, we didn't know that Obamacare exchange that we could get insurance for a whole family for only $20 a month. Or they'll have a young guy there who's uh, on medications for, uh, you know, different chronic diseases and said, all of my medicines are covered and I don't have to pay any premium. Well, what they don't say is those people's premiums are being paid by other people like their neighbors. But that that's part of what the Obamacare, not part of, that's the whole reason for Obamacare, was to take money from one group of people who, from whom it didn't belong, or to take money from one group of people and give it to another group of people to whom it didn't belong. And that's the uh, old uh, Marxist strategy of uh, pitting groups of classes against each other and saying, these are the ones with it, and these are the ones without it, and we're going to get in the middle, and uh, from each according to his uh, ability to each according to his need. And that's what Obamacare was. And that was, you know, this is this is no different than any of the other uh, handout programs in which they take money from one group of people and give it to another. And they are the ones in the middle being the champion for the, for the others. And if you oppose that, then you're a greedy, you're greedy. And, uh, <clears throat> so this is what the, uh, this is what's going on. And it's not to be surprised. It's not surprising that that's what's going on because that's what the Biden administration is about is about furthering the Obama uh, agenda, which was basically to, what did he say? radically transform America or whatever it was. Unfortunately, he's been able to do that to a large extent. Only thing that's recently pushed back against any of this transformation really, honestly, is the the judiciary. Uh, The judiciary pushed back against Obamacare, I'm sorry, against uh, vaccination mandates, masking. Uh, They have have struck down uh, uh, now historical, uh, um, historical, left-wing ideals such as abortion, affirmative action. So all these things, the only thing that where you're making any headway toward freedom, toward a repressive authoritarian state is through the judiciary. The Republicans are doing nothing. The Republicans are at best are kind of like a, a speed bump, a minor speed bump. But the Democrats, you know, through the legislative branch, uh, through the, the, the executive branch now with uh, Obama, I'm sorry, Biden, and then through the permanent administrative state, which is a permanent left-wing uh, group, they have always made progress. So really the only thing stopping people now is, is the judici- judiciary. Speaking of judiciary, this is from Breitbart. It says, Boston University law students urged to seek therapy in response to Supreme Court rulings. Boston University law students are being urged to seek therapy in the wake of several conservative Supreme Court decisions, including a decision striking down the use of racial preferences in university admissions. Racial preferences is an interesting way of putting it. 
Fox News Digital reports that BU Law Student Government Association, SGA, sent an email to students denouncing the court's decisions in Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard, the racial racial preferences course case. 303 Creative LLC versus Alinas, upholding the right of a website designer not to include pro-same-sex messages if the state demanded them. And Biden versus Nebraska, ending Joe Biden's student loan transfer program. It says, uh, Fox noted the SGA reminded students of the availability of mental health wellness resources in the response. The sending judges, this is from the letter from the SGA to the students. The sending judges went so far as to say that race-based admissions uses a race as a negative and operates it as a stereotype. They may couch their opinion in legal jargon, but what, but what we all know is that the opinion aims to advocate for a, quote, colorblind admissions process. So this is how crazy it is to be in the left now. And here's this lady in the left, uh, this young skull full of mush. She's uh, holding a sign that says, we are not okay. And she is not okay. But it says it's colorblind admission process. So they think colorblind admissions is a bad thing. And here's from Justice Sotomayor. However, as many of our students know, and Justice Sotomayor says in her, in her dissent, quote, ignoring race will not equalize a society that is racially unequal, the letter pro- proclaimed. Uh, so this is a... This is what they're teaching now in the law in the law schools, the Student Government Association. <clears throat> uh, it's not surprising that because law students become lawyers, lawyers go to Congress. Congress is what it is, seventeen percent approval rating historically, or or lower. But the the weakness of the mind of these people that that are becoming the the law, the lawyers, the the court officers of the future. If you if you're a lawyer and you have to have counseling because of an opinion from the Supreme Court, I don't know what that says about the future of, of law. But if you're an attorney and you're not a leftist, uh, you're probably in as about as bad shape as anybody in the uh, in the country, including medical the medical doctors who are being trained in left wing ideology. Uh, they had this <clears throat> recent shooter. Uh, this is from uh, Philadelphia. And they said that initially that this person was a they, them, which is, as we know, uh, meaning someone who is, I don't know, non-binary, I guess. But then they retracted that and said they're not. They're not a they, them. And then it says here, this is from Yahoo News. Right-wingers push lie that Philly shooting suspect was trans BLM supporter. All right. So before we get into this article, let me show you the picture of this person. This is on Facebook, their Facebook site. This is a man uh, holding his his left hand, or was his left hand behind his head, and he's wearing what looks to be a, a bra, and he looks to have boobs, and he's smiling in kind of a, a Joker face. Now we're to be told that this person, according to this article, is not a transgender person. It says <clears throat> right wing politicians, media, and activists are pushing a false claim that the suspect in Monday's mass shooting in Philadelphia is transgender and politically liberal gunmen arrested for Philadelphia mass shooting that left five dead as BLM activists who wore women's clothes sources trumpeted a headline in New York post. The conservative tabloid went on to note that suspect Kim Brady character has two pictures on his website of him wearing a brassiere and other female appearing clothing and that he had posts that supported black lives matter anti LGBTQ plus Congresswoman 
Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted, another trans shooter and shared an article from Post Millennial, a far-right blog with information similar to the Post. <clears throat> Chaya Reichek, who runs the anti-trans libs of TikTok, tweeted, the mass shooter in Philadelphia is trans. It says, but this isn't true. Apparently this person, uh, Vice News is a far-left website. I think they're one of the ones that is going bankrupt. There's been so many going bankrupt recently. Uh, I think Vice News is one of these ones that's going bankrupt too. But anyway, <clears throat> the far left Vice News uh, reviewed Carriker's Facebook account since deleted and found nothing to imply he is trans beyond the two pictures cited by the Post and only a single image referring to Black Lives Matter. The review also suggests he was more concerned about stopping gun control reg- legislation than Black Lives Matter. So again, <clears throat> this is the shooter. This is not a trans person. So just so you know, if you're keeping track at home. But what did this trans person do? They, uh, they, they shot uh, five people. And again, when I read a, another article about it, they said that in Philadelphia, I think it was one of the politicians said that one of the, what we have to do is make sure that guns stay out of the, the hands of the wrong people. Philadelphia, as you know, has probably the strictest gun control uh, laws in the nation, if not the strictest among, this, among, the, among the strictest, because they are. A Democrat city. All Democrat cities have strict gun control legislation. All Democrat cities have high crime. All Democrat cities have high murder rates. But no one ever seems to put two and two together. And here we are continuing to march down the path. But again, this is a this is an anti gun control advocate, just so you're keeping track at home. <clears throat> Speaking this is another Gun-related uh, article. This is from the Gateway Pundit. Violent career criminal breaks into his last home, runs into armed mama bear who doesn't hesitate to protect her children. A mother protecting her children in Louisiana is a, rec- is a recent example of the type of good guy with a gun story that liberals truly hate because it proves that guns save lives. A convicted felon who had just perpetuate, perpetrated another string of violent crimes chose the wrong house to invade and the wrong woman to attack in Hammond, Louisiana earlier this year when he met a mother who was determined to protect her children, WVUA-TV reported. The Tengapahoa Parish Sheriff's Office was called to a home on Klein Road in Hammond, but when they got to the resident, the action was already over. The officers discovered the body of Robert Reams, 51, just after 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning in January, January after he tried to break into the home where a woman resided with her two children. Here's this guy, formerly of the earth. So he tried to break into this house and this, uh, as they call her mama bear stopped him dead in his tracks with a firearm. Now this goes against the rate, the liberal narrative that guns commit crimes and that no gun is a good gun. And there is no such thing as a good guy with a gun. They hate to admit that. This guy was on a, uh, I guess he was on a crime spree. He had carjacked a woman already. Uh, It says officers traced Reams activity back to an earlier carjacking only blocks from the woman's home. According to the owner of the car, Reams carjacked the driver at a local motel. Uh, Reams is also suspect in a robbery several hours before all this occurred at a deli, according to report. Travis added that the woman would not be charged for killing Reams because she was merely exercising her Second Amendment rights to protect herself and her children from a violent home invader. <clears throat> Good thing she was in Louisiana and not in New York because uh, Bragg, uh, the uh, 
prosecutor would be probably charging her for murder at this point. It says, uh, the woman, okay, okay. The brave woman told the officers that Reams broke in while the family was sleeping. According to WVUA, the convict was wearing a ski mask and was armed with a shovel and a lug wrench. Now, this woman, uh, what's her name? Didn't say. Doesn't say her. Anyway, this woman, uh, all she had to do, all she had to do was maybe ask that person why they were there with a lug wrench and a ski mask and a shovel. Because it may be that he was there. He had mistaken her home for a ski lodge. And he was there to maybe dig a hole and fix a car. And that there's nothing to hear to suggest that he wanted to do her harm. And if even if he was not there to ski and dig a hole and fix her car, she could have at least asked him, what is it going on in his day that makes him so upset? You know, this, this rush to judgment where we have to shoot people who appear to be trying to kill us. I mean, that's just not what America's about. And uh, this lady obviously has not been told the most recent things. You have to sit down and talk to these people and figure out what's going on in their life and maybe get a social worker, call a social worker, you know, call the, the Louisiana, you know, sheriff's department, ask for a social worker. <clears throat> Don't tell them there's some guy in there trying to kill you. Ask for a social worker. They could have got a social worker over there, social worker over there and figured out what was going on in Reem's life. I mean, this guy was a convict. He had been, uh, was he? He's released from prison recently. I think I read somewhere that he he's a he's a repeat offender, and so as we know, you know, repeat offenders they just needed more more counseling, more government programs. Anyway, the woman added that Reams uh, confronted her and threatened to harm her with his weapons. Well, there you go. But the woman had other ideas. She pulled out her firearm to defend her family and gave Reams a reason to suspect he had broken into the wrong house. The criminal was pronounced dead at the scene by the parish coroner. There's no word on whether the uh, Boston University law students heard about this. And if they did, more reason for counseling for them. This cocaine in the White House uh, has not been found yet. They have not found out whose cocaine it is. It says, uh, <clears throat> White House, this is from The Blaze. So as you know, the cocaine was found in the White House. And if you followed the news closely, which I have not, but if you followed the news even semi-closely, it said the cocaine was found in an area that was, oh, it was trafficked by a bunch of people. It could have been left there by anybody. And then they said, oh, no, the cocaine was found in a very secure area. Only certain people got access to it. Whatever. There was cocaine found in the White House. First time ever that we know of. I mean, at least the first time it's ever been reported. It's also the first time that we know that there is a a, a confirmed coke addict who is part of the first family, but never mind. It says the White House directly addressed accusations on Thursday that cocaine discovered at the White House belonged to the first family. It says uh, the reporter asked, are you willing to say that this is not the case, that it did not belong to them, meaning the first family? Because Trump said that it probably belonged to Hunter. Uh, And it says that's a layup question, right? For some odd reason, Bates, which is the uh, deputy press secretary, did not outright deny the accusation, but instead declined to answer the question and publicly clear their Bidens by citing the Hatch Act. I don't have a response to that because we have to be careful about the Hatch Act, Bates said. The Hatch Hatch Act restricts civil service employees from from engaging in partisan conduct. 
It is not clear how denying that the cocaine belonged to President Biden or Hunter Biden would have constituted a violation of law. It says, after all, Bates' very job is to uh, serve as a spokesperson for the White House. But anyway, who is clearing the Bidens? Kayleigh McEnany, apparently. Fox News host Kayleigh McEnany, who worked in the Trump administration, explained Thursday why the cocaine cannot belong to the Bidens. The answer? It's simple. They weren't there. For it to be Hunter Biden, he left on Friday. He was at Camp David. There is no way. It is inconceivable to think that cocaine could sit around for a 72-hour period, she said. So I would rule him out at this point. Now, <clears throat> I don't know how, I guess cocaine has like a, it's like a, was it invisible ink? If cocaine sits around for more than 24 hours, it just disappears. Or maybe she's thinking that, you know, that they, they look so carefully in the White House all the time that they'd never find cocaine. If there was cocaine there, someone would have found it. I guess that's her point. It says, meanwhile, NBC News reported Thursday that cocaine was discovered in a different location than previously claimed. It was, according to the report, found in the White House's West Executive Entrance, not in the West Wing Lobby. Because what they said before was, this cocaine was probably put there by by uh, visitors to the White House. It could, it could have been anybody. Trump said that there's video cameras everywhere and they could have found this. But <clears throat> they're saying, well, we may never find out who did it. It says, more from NBC News. The cocaine was found in an entrance area between the foyer and lower lobby level, sources said. The entrance is near where some vehicles, like the Vice President's, lim- Vice President's limo, or SUV park is one floor below the main West Wing office and the same floor as the Situation Room and Dining Area, blah, blah, blah. So that's not like somewhere where people just, you know, randomly can walk in and stash their cocaine. And, and here's another thing. If you're a visitor to the White House and you're on coke, would you leave your cocaine in a in a, in a uh, little cubby in the, in the White House? I don't understand why you do that. But again, Kayleigh, Mac- Kayleigh McEnany has ruled out Joe Biden. Or Hunter Biden, I mean. Uh, and we don't know that Joe Biden is a uh, Coke consumer, so we assume that if it is a Biden, it is Joe, uh, Hunter, potentially. But um, Kaylee says that it cannot sit around for 72 hours, so I guess we can rule out Hunter Biden at this point. And this this will be solved in the same manner in which the leaker of the Dobbs decision was solved, and that's to basically say uh, it's unsolvable. No way we can ever find out. And uh, we're moving on now. <clears throat> Unlike Donald Trump with anything to do with him, they can always find that answer. Even if it takes appointing a senile former head of the FBI to act as a figurehead for a witch hunt, it can be solved. Speaking of uh, witch hunts, this is uh, Josh Hawley talking to, this is the deputy director, what's his name? Deputy FBI director, Paul Abbott. So apparently they're going on back and forth about the FBI and how oh, FBI, I mean, sorry, the Hoover's boys and talking about how, how they've been uh, doing all these things that are basically hiding stuff from uh, the Congress, maybe not being forthright about things. And anyway, one of the things that came up is that, and I hadn't heard this, but the uh, Pfizer court uh, ran 278,000 unwarranted, possibly illegal queries on Americans and this is what the FBI director, deputy director, had to say about all that uh, when he was talking to Josh Hawley, Senator Hawley. But I also take seriously the fact that your institution has repeatedly abused its authority, has repeatedly targeted political opponents. Your institution is the one that went to the door of pro-life protesters with SWAT teams to try and intimidate people because of their speech. Your institution is the one that treated parents as domestic terrorists 
because of their speech. Your institution is the one that, according to the court, the FISA court, ran 278,000 unwarranted, probably illegal queries on Americans, right? That was your institution, correct? There, the, with respect to the compliance incidents, yes. Some of the other things you cited, we can take them one by one. They are not. Compliance issues, that's what I'm... Compliance, you, you would characterize the unlawful querying 278,000 times of American citizens as compliance issues? We've said before, I've said that they're totally unacceptable. Who's been uh, fired for it? Individuals involved uh, are handled through the disciplinary process. Who's been fired for it? We have, there in, the, in the case of the uh, unintentional instance where something similar happened, we have fired people in the past. Wait, I, I'm sorry, what, what, what does that word salad mean? The unintentional instance where some, what, what does that mean? Who's been fired for the 278,000 times that you improperly or illegally queried the database for American citizens? When we Anybody? When we find intentional incidents... Well, you're saying that the 278,000 queries were unintentional? I believe that's correct. See this guy, though? This guy, look at that face. And when he's talking, this guy, this Hoover's boys, deputy director, you could tell there's not one ounce of fear in his face because he knows there ain't a damn thing that's ever going to happen to him or his buddies because they are insulated, completely insulated, only from a very few Republican senators or congresspeople does he have anything to fear? And, and he knows that those people are a very small minority. And so this guy has nothing to fear. There's no, there's not an ounce of fear in his face. He doesn't feel any shame. He doesn't feel anything. I'm surprised he even showed up. And, but this, this is the arrogance of which the, uh, the administration, the permanent bureaucracy of the administrative state runs the, the country. And there's not an ounce of, uh, like I said, there, there's no fear in his face. He knows that they're going to do that. They did it before. They'll keep doing it. There's nothing that they're, that they're ever going to do short of, uh, you know, willfully breaking the law in, on video that they're ever going to have to be uh, called to account for. And he knows that. He knows that. That's why he's just looking look at the holly like, yeah, whatever, buddy. It does not matter to him. So 278,000 Americans were intentionally spied on. Maybe it was you. We had a patient that was called uh, <clears throat> by the Hoover's boys for for no reason at all. And they were saying, were you at January 6th? And who knows how they got his information. His mother was also called by Hoover's boys and actually had to hire a lawyer to stop Hoover's boys from calling or to deal with Hoover's boys from calling her. And she wasn't at January 6th either, but she had given money at one point or maybe several points. Maybe this was her problem. She had given money to uh, Governor DeSantis. But who knows what these people are doing? These, this thing, you know, I was listening to uh, Vivek Ramaswamy the other day. God, I wish this guy would get on the stage because he would wipe the floor with almost anybody except for maybe Ron DeSantis in terms of getting to the nuts and bolts of what is wrong with our current um, situation as far as the, the uh, permanent political class ruling over us with an iron fist without us having anything to do with it. If you read Ron DeSantis's book, which I've started reading, uh, The Courage to Be Free, I believe it is, he talks about the Constitution. He talks about the problems with the state. He can he he is so much more um, well versed in that type of thing. Uh, potentially, if he, if he's not so much well versed, he's at least can elucidate it better than 
uh, any way that Donald Trump can. Donald Trump's problem is he may have some of these feelings, but he's not able to uh, really talk about him very well. He he gets he gets too wrapped up in just kind of this colorful commentary, and uh, I don't know that he has a general understanding of what is actually wrong. I know he knows he wants to drain the swamp, this, that, and the other. But the reason I say is I don't know if Donald Trump understands really what's wrong is because look at how his administration was run. Look at the person like Dr. Fauci, who was able to dictate through the administration the locking down of a country uh, and the and the all the different things. And he was not able to see how, you know, the, the people that were put in place, whether it be his chief of staff, uh, whether it be his uh, attorneys general, how they weren't really, you know, on board with what needs to be done. And I, I think Ron DeSantis maybe understands that better because Ron DeSantis has been in Congress before. He's been in Washington, D.C., and now he's been a governor. Anyway, it's not the same thing about uh, cheerleading for Ron DeSantis, but this whole this idea that Hoover's Boys and, uh, you know, the other alphabet organizations, just they, they work so much against freedom that it's going to take someone with a really true understanding of how corruption is created and how corruption uh, corrodes and how corruption uh, persists. And I don't think Mike Pence has any idea, for instance. Uh, Mike Pence is one of these uh, kind of, I don't know, you want to call him generic, but he's a generic Republican. Uh, he, he's in the same mold as a Paul Ryan. He's in the same mold as a, a Mitt Romney. He's in the same mold as a John McCain. They're generally anti-regulation they're generally low tax generally pro-life but they're never going to be trying to really push the envelope too much they're certainly not going to say anything controversial uh they're they're always going to try to work through the established corridors of the left-wing media to get their point across they're always going to try to do things that are accepted by uh you know uh, mainstream quote-unquote republicans they're not going to do anything that's like I said, they're not going to be doing anything like Josh Hawley just did. Never. They're never going to call into question the uh, sincerity of Hoover's boys when it comes to, quote unquote, protecting American people, which they said they're supposed to do. But anyway, Vivek Ramaswamy is another one. I was listening to him the other day, and he was talking about how he wants to shut down, you know, all these different organizations, how he can use the, uh, I think it was in 1982 or something, some kind of reorganization act where unilaterally he can shut down uh, agencies and uh, he can do this. And he thinks he can do this because after the lawsuits are all said and done, he thinks the Supreme court will back him. Anyway, that's the kind of thing you need. You need someone with courage. Someone can understand the lay of the land. And I'm not saying Donald Trump doesn't understand it because he's been through the ringer, but I don't know if he can elucidate it clearly. And I don't know, honestly, if he has the personality to be able to surround himself with the types of people who are going to get things done because I think the types of people who are going to have to be in Donald Trump's cabinet are basically people who are first and foremost, uh, number one, loyal to him. Number two, loyal to him. Number three, loyal to him. And I'm not saying that's not important. It's obviously important to have people that are loyal to you, but sometimes people who are loyal to you, if that's the only thing that they do, they may not be good at their job. And I think it's important to have people loyal to you, but it's also have people who are willing to, and I don't think there's anybody in Trump's cabinet who would be appointed who are willing to say, uh, Mr. President, I don't agree with you on this, and here's the reason why. And I think Trump sees that as loyalty too. So it's not just loyalty in that you're not going to lie behind their backs, but it's loyalty to Trump is, I agree with you. Donald Trump, I agree with you. And that's what I think loyalty is to Donald Trump, is not only being loyal, but also agreeing with him. 
And so if you have that situation, then you're going to have a problem when uh, Donald Trump doesn't quite see things uh, as they need to be seen, I think. Such as, uh, just take for instance, you know, the criticism against Ron DeSantis is that he wants to uh, reform Social Security and Medicare. And Donald Trump says that those are great programs. They are not great programs. They're programs that suck. They are Ponzi schemes. And Donald Trump should know that. But he doesn't. Trans update. The Army has uh, exempted trans service members from physical fitness standards. This is from Hot Air. It says, diversity is our strength, except apparently the more diversity the military seeks, the less strength it requires. This seems to be the lesson of Army's physical fitness standards, which do not apply to people who are getting, quote, gender-affirming care. It says here, this is from uh, this is from the Army. I'm not sure what this Army document is, but this is, this is from the military. This is uh, section A552. It says, unit fitness program managers will document the exemption in my fitness using the commander's composite exemption. Initial FA, fitness, uh, I guess that's fitness assessment, fitness assessment. Initial FA exemptions will be provided for a period of six months. To receive a new exemption, the service member will provide the previously approved fitness exemption memo and updated medical documentation showing proof of continued cross-sex hormone treatment to their current unit commander who may approve or deny any additional six-month exemptions. So if you're having cross-sex hormone treatment, you do not have to go through the fitness standards, apparently. And this is under the guise of diversity as our strength as uh, the military is now their new uh, hiring standard. And this is from the Department of Defense. This is a tweet. So this is this is a, a Major Rachel Jones. Uh, for you keeping track at home, Major Rachel Jones may or may not have a penis, but certainly had a penis when God created that person. So Major Rachel Jones, it says, at U.S. Army Major Rachel Jones found solace after coming out as a transgender female. This is in the military. Her journey from battling depression and suicidal thoughts to embracing authenticity inspires us all. Why we serve. Now, I, I at one point applied to do these things called MIPS. MIPS is this uh, examination process that recruits have to go through. I don't know what it stands for, but anyway, it's a examination process. And in the in the process of learning about this, we went through this this government document. You would not believe how specific the government document was about illness, for instance, or ability. It was very, very, very stringent. So much so that if you had anything kind of off about you medically, there's a good chance that you were not going to be accepted as a military recruit. This apparently has all gone out the window. I remember one time we had a kid, he was a patient of ours, who was applying to be in the military. He wanted to go in the army and they did his military records. And I guess they, they, they request mil- medical records. And at one point he went to an urgent care program or urgent care center and was given a prescription for albuterol. Well, this was interpreted as him having asthma and asthma in the military at that point was disqualifying. So not only did he not have asthma, he had just gone there for like an acute episode, but he had this, stigmata of having asthma because he was prescribed albuterol and was not allowed by to pass the uh, standards to get into the military. So he didn't go into the military because he had received a prescription for albuterol at one point. That was in like 2015, maybe, or 2014. Fast forward to now, you have this major Rachel Jones who wanted to kill herself, has had depression, 
and is now on transgender hormones. And as you can tell from his or her picture is, is, is fairly corpulent. And this person is now exempt from physical fitness standards. My, 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 how the mighty have fallen when it comes to the military. It says the military is going through a crisis with weight since 2001. The number of soldiers who are classified as overweight has skyrocketed by over 400%. And much of that has to do with accommodating a quote, more gender or sorry, more quote, diverse military women, blacks and Hispanics have higher rates of obesity in the military than whites do suggesting that standards may apply differently to different categories of people. Fighting fit or not. This is pretty interesting. <clears throat> there is a uh, woke, hiking, woke hiking group in Oregon, and they're creating segregated hiking paths for people of color so they don't have to worry about encountering someone who might be prejudiced. This is from the Gateway Pundit. It says, 100% fed up reports a black actor with a Oregon Shakespeare Festival named Tyrone Wilson goes hiking on his days off, acting as a volunteer hike leader. Wilson is one of the founders of Unlikely Hikers outgrown and people of color outdoors unlikely hikers is described on its website as diverse anti-racist body liberating outdoor community featuring underrepresented outdoor person outdoors person it is a group for adventurers who are plus size and fat this is their this is their description adventurers who are plus size and fat black indigenous people of color queer trans and non-binary disabled neurodivergent and beyond it says, according to Oregon Live, Wilson's groups, quote, want to make a recreational public land feel more welcoming to people who are more afraid of encountering a person with a prejudice than a mountain lion. In Oregon, uh, sorry, Wilson says to Oregon Live, I'm an unlikely hiker in culture, body, and anything that would traditionally be considered the visual ideal of a hiker. And I've been given all, and I have given all my efforts to attract people to Monday hike who do not think the outdoors belongs to them. It has been a real effort. Okay, you ready for this guy? All right, this is going to be the most unlikely hiker you've ever seen. All right, you ready? For those of you watching, are watching, here he is. So unlikely. For those of you listening, it's a picture of a, a black gentleman. He appears to be in his late 40s or 50s. He uh, appears to be of average build, and he has, uh, he's a little thin on the hair on top, but he has a beard. That's it. But according to him, his own description, he's an unlikely hiker. And according to him, he's such an unlikely hiker and people like him are so unlikely that they face prejudice with hiking, I guess, from other hikers. And now he has created a, uh, a woke hiking group so that they can have separate hiking paths uh, for people who are fat and plus size, black, indigenous, people of color, queer, trans and non-binary, disabled, neurodivergent and beyond. So... few clips here this is from uh this is from joe biden over the weekend july 4th says the preschool for three and four year olds so they get the classroom ready to learn and by the way recent studies have indicated that if you start school not 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 day daycare school at three school. years old no matter what your background is, no matter what home you come from, 
you have an incredible opportunity. You all know the, all, the, all the data and statistics. Says the preschool for three and four year olds. So that's our president. And here is the vice president. Well, I think culture is, it, it is a reflection of our moment and our time, right? And, right. and, and present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. Present culture is the way we express how we feel about the moment. And, and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of joy. We should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is about joy, I think. Because, you know. Because, you know. All right. It comes in the morning. <laughs> it comes in the morning. Followed by... Uh, Insane laughter. <laughs> Insane laughter. We have to find. The people on stage with her are laughing nervously. I, they are not laughing out of humor. They are laughing nervously. Ways to also express the way we feel about the moment in terms of just having language and, and, and a connection to how people are experiencing life. And I think about it in that way, too. I do, too, personally. I always feel that way. I've, I've always felt that way about it. The way that she said exactly, that's the way I've always felt about it, about expressing emotion and everything else, about the current way I feel. All right, this is a little bit from uh, freebeacon.com. This is the craziest recommendations from California's reparations task force. So they've been working now diligently to try to figure out how to pay black Californians reparations. Now, California has the distinction of never having had slaves in its state since its existence as part of the union. So theoretically, there has never been a slave that lived in California. But nevertheless, here's the uh, here's a they had eleven hundred page report. And here's some of the uh, uh, headline. uh, I'm sorry. Here's some of the highlights. Decriminalize public urination. Let urinators sue. Uh, it says, should police dare to stop public indecency? The task force suggests lift, letting criminals sue police for damages or paying them outright for their troubles. <coughs> Debt forgiveness for deadbeat dads, because that's got to do with uh, slavery. Uh, defund school police. That will help. No more traffic violations. The task force suggests prohibiting cops from pulling over cars with expired registration, tinted windows, or broken taillights. In lieu of tickets, the report suggests mailing warnings to offenders. Guaranteed income for descendants of slaves. Now, that was the original reason for all this was to try to give, uh, try to give money to people. Uh, the, the report says California should expand on its $25 million pilot program that guarantees monthly cash payments for poor pregnant women and youth who have just aged out of foster care. In this case, the guaranteed income would only go to descendants of slaves because that's easy to figure out. And it's, you know, it makes sense. Close the, quote, racial wealth gap. Now, this is this is important. The report calls for the state to study the racial wealth gap, accounting for differences in black Americans' home equity, financial assets, and income. The purpose of this is to help the federal government calculate reparations for all black Americans. What they should calculate is not the racial wealth gap, but what they should calculate is the government intervention gap. And see, of people who are poor, how much is government involved in their lives? And they could do this also for people who are convicted of crime. 
and for people who are uh, in any way disadvantaged. And I guarantee you that the amount of government intervention in their lives is higher. And it's not because the government's helping them more. It's because the government in part or in major part is contributing to all the different dysfunctions in their lives. Teach Kids About Reparations Task Force. And uh, that's it for according to this article. So that's just a racial uh, a reparations update from our friends in California. <coughs> Another California update. This is from uh, San Francisco. This is uh, the blaze. Roving gang of baseball bat wielding kids target mothers and nannies on school runs in San Francisco. Democratic Mayor London Breed recently took issue with the characterization of her city as a dangerous cesspool that it is. Fast driving away business stating, quote, San Francisco is a major city and it has its challenges. Among the leftist control city's latest challenges is a roving gang of baseball bat wielding kids that target mothers and nannies trying to pick up children from school. The San Francisco Chronicle reported that a group of adolescents is likely responsible for the attacks on at least 11 women in the city's No Valley, also called Stroller Valley, on account of the predominance of young families still living there. Thomas Harvey, captain of the San Francisco Police Department's mission station, stated, indicated that the ski mask-clad suspects smashed and robbed their victims in broad daylight, then used a stolen car as a getaway vehicle. According to the Telegraph, at least one victim was savage with the baseball bat, and another one was punched in the face. So this, uh, this is this is part of what it's like to live in a Democrat city, along with being uh, murdered potentially, and um, uh, you know, accosted on subways. Now we have to deal with baseball wielding kids targeting mothers and nannies. Uh, in Stroller Valley. And this is San Francisco. So, I hope that Gavin Newsom does become the nominee for the president on the Democrat side because it would be a great contrast to see Gavin Newsom's America versus Ron DeSantis's America or whoever the Republicans put up. And it would be a nice contrast to see this is our uh, plan for the future. And this is their plan for the future. And then let the people decide. (coughs) Excuse me. Or in the case of, um, you know, our next election, let the uh, let the people decide. And then let's try to fudge the results as much as we can on swing districts and swing states to make the Democrats win anyway. That's it for today. Join us on drtommy.com slash podcast. And thank you for listening. Subscribe and share with a friend. And until next time, we will see you later. Bye bye.